Praise the Lord. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to talk a bit about that today, about being part of the body. I know Gary's message this morning was just wonderful, beautiful message. And in the end, he summed it up by simply saying, it's God working through us more than us working for God. And in the message, he shared how we are involved. We have to be involved. We have to do the work. We we're involved with it, but it's really God working through us. So it's not so much us just letting go and letting God do it. You know, they have a song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. Do you ever, you know, it's a country song, and it's about, you know, Jesus take control. But, you know, yielding over to God is more than Jesus taking control, and you just let him sit in the back seat going, yeah, okay, I'll just rest now. You just do the work and everything. It's about co-laboring with him, and but he's in charge. He's the leader of our life and wonderful full message complete message this morning and so i want to i feel like i want to kind of bounce off of that a bit first corinthians chapter 12 we'll start in verse 12 for as a body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but what's the word there? Many. Now I want to stop here because we believe corporately and many people believe, but we believe in what's called Joel's army, which is, I guess it depends where you come from, what that, when I say Joel's army, what that means to you, because it can mean something to you that's different than something to me. So I want to give my definition of Joel's army and why it's so important. The one definition I want to be careful of is the implication that Joel's army means that all of us get to be used of God, glory to God, but we don't have to grow up. So it brings the value, the standard down of being called a minister of the gospel down to where everyone can just do it and you don't have to grow up or be holy or just go walk in it. Because I remember being taught that when I first started in Christ, just go walk in it, go do it. And I did. I went and prayed for people and I seen people get healed. But then as I taught them how to be a believer, I could only repeat what I was doing and I ruined them. (laughs) So I got them healed, but I ruined them. You know, which is more important, them having a successful walk with God or me having a testimony of I got someone healed as I ruined them with my wrong doctrine. <laughs> to me, Joel's army does not mean that everyone gets to be used of God without growing up. I believe it puts more responsibility on everyone to grow up. The idea of Joel's army is that we all have a place and our place, number one, is as valuable as the next person's. But it's very clear here that our place in the body is different than someone else's. That we're not to be all the same. But the idea of Joel's army, there are areas that we can all be the same. We want to make sure we know the difference. What am I to be the same on that all of us can do? And what am I to be different in? Because the other idea of Joel's army is that we're two-tiered two jobs in the body of Christ. There's only two jobs in the body of Christ. You get people saved, and they get people uh, in to bring in finances. And that could dumb down the whole body of Christ, you know, to two parts. Those who get people saved and those who bring money in. 
And if you're not good at either of them, you're going to feel like you're not worth as much as the next guy. And if you are good at, at either of them, then you're going to feel higher than the rest. I mean, I would preach that too if I was good at winning souls. You know, you get an evangelist to come in, and what's an evangelist going to do when he comes to church today? He's going to look at us, especially us, and laugh at us. You guys are like a bunch of monks sitting there praying all the time. You know, you spend 20 hours a week praying. You guys have 20 hours a week set aside to pray in the church. And here's Gary Carpenter encourage people to come into the church to pray. We're not a church building. We're to be out of the church. Get out of the church. Take those 20 hours and go do something with it rather than just pray. That's a good, red-blooded, full-blooded evangelist. Because the evangelist calling is very simple. Get people saved. You don't want an evangelist trying to teach you about God. Because he'll mess you up. He only has memorized John 3.16. And he'd even... I mean, you can ask him, what's John 3.17? He won't know. But he'll know what John 3.16 is. And he'd say, now, I want you to turn to John 3.16 in your Bible. Now, rip that page out. That's the only one that matters. Fold it up, put it in your pocket. That's the only one that matters. Everything else is a waste of time. That's an evangelist, because that's his calling. So we're going to skip down, come down with me to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Say individually. So God looks at you as a person and then he looks at us as a whole. Then he says, verse 28, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings. Now, if you look down at gift of healings, is there a comma or a period in your Bible? There's a comma. So it doesn't stop at the fivefold ministry. He goes on to continue. Helps, administrations, and variety of tongues. So there's eight total different categories of jobs in the body of Christ. And you fit into one of these eight. You don't get to choose which one you fit in. The Holy Spirit has chosen for you and has, will place you, no matter how much you argue with him and fight with him and try to get him to change his mind, he won't change his mind. Everything you do with God, he'll constantly always try to direct you to your calling. So there's eight different jobs. And I want to be clear here, it's not just two jobs. The job of the body of Christ is to win souls. Now, there are some people whose job is more specific in harvesting souls. Paul wrote that. In fact, let's go there. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter... Should I get the right chapter? 3. Paul wrote in verse 5, Who then is Paul, who's Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed... As the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God's the one who gave the increase. So maybe you are, we're all to win souls, but maybe you're a waterer type person. Your job is to go behind. God sends you in behind someone who planted the seed, and your job is to water that seed. And then uh, the evangelist comes through and harvests. Uh, evangelist is a professional harvester. One time when I was 19, or before I was 19, I got a job 
in the summer working for a farmer, and he was getting silage. He's making silage, which was, I think it was oats that we would harvest, and then they would make them in a pile, and let them, they let them ferment, this big pile of silage, of oats, and they would ferment, and then they would produce alcohol. And they'd feed that to the cows, and the cows loved it. My job was to drive. I got as a young guy, so I got the old, uh, it's like a dump truck almost, but it's, it's a little bit different, but the old truck. And mine didn't have air conditioning. And the newer truck, which the older guys got, they had air conditioning. And what we'd do is we'd drive behind each other and get in behind the, the harvester, which would cut the oats, chop it up, and then spit it out of a funnel. And you'd drive behind until your dump truck was full. And then you'd race off as fast as you can to where they would contain it. You'd go in and they'd weigh it, weigh the truck with how much you got. Basically, the farmer was selling his oats to the uh, rancher, the guy with all the cows. And he had lots of farms racing in trying to sell their silage before he filled up because once he's full, he's not buying for anyone else. So it was a race because harvest time is very quick. When it's time to harvest, you got to hit right then. You got four days of hard work, you know, 15, 16, 18 hours trying to get it all done in the daylight because after harvest time is done, you have to plant it and water the seed before it's harvest time. And I remember I, I sweat, I was sweating, and I'd roll down the windows when I'd drive real fast to try to get air into the car because the engine was so hot in that truck that I would take my lunch and put it on the floor, and the cheese would be melted, and it was a warm lunch. I mean, and all that heat was hitting me all for 18 hours, and you didn't get a break except if you had to go to the bathroom, you had, and you had to be quick because you had to beat the other farmers with their stuff. And so I remember driving, I'd be sweating, and then I'd pull up behind the harvester and be shooting out chopped up oats, and it would it'd come through the window and stick to my face. And so I have to roll up the window. The only time I got a little bit of air was racing to dump it. And that's a harvester. That was that one four-day period a year that you harvest that crop. But the rest of the year, the seed had to be planted, the seed had to be watered, it had to grow. There's many times because we don't realize the beauty of salvation and the intricacies of salvation that we go out and try to harvest people before it's their time. Instead of listening to God, I'm looking at this beautiful crop that you're building, this beautiful crop, this person. Am I to go in and water it? Or am I to go in and plant a seed for it? Or am I to go and cut it off and harvest it. And so I believe that many people in America have been harvested too soon, which is why many don't stay. They don't keep. They, they give up on God. But if we listen to God, I believe we have a much stronger crop, if I could put it that way. And I'm trying to talk us out of a two-tiered, a two-job ideology that we're to, to get people saved and we are to bring in finances. That is the job of the body of Christ. But what is your place in that? In someone's salvation, is your place only to plant a seed? Is your place to water that seed and never mention Jesus, but show the love of Jesus? Is that your job? Are you the harvester that day? Or is your job to get them saved? I remember I preached one time when I was young. I preached about hell to a bunch of young people, young adults. And I made it so fiery that one guy got saved. And he was a hard case. We've been trying to get him saved for a while. And that weekend, I was playing hockey with the church. 
And I began to brag about how my great fiery sermon scared this guy into heaven out of hell. And I said, yeah, guess who got saved? I, I preached. God touched him. He got saved because of my great preaching. I didn't say that, but that was the, I was looking for recognition, of course. And I remember the one guy from the other church saying, oh, uh, no, praise God. Man, I've been having coffee with that guy for five years, sharing the love of God with him. Another guy came up and said, yeah, we've been praying for him every Sunday. And at that moment, I realized that my job was the easiest job of getting that guy saved. That all that got invested into his salvation was years and years of people watering. And, and who do you think gets a bigger reward in heaven? You know, the guy who harvested them or the guy that watered? Or the guy that planted the seed? If we're not careful, we, all, we try to funnel everyone into being harvesters. If your acknowledgement of your worth is how many people you've harvested, and you're not called to be an evangelist, you're going to feel very unvaluable. <laughs> you're like, man, I've been, I went to try to get that guy saved, and he got mad at me, and you know, I think I made it worse. You know, a lot of people do, because they try to walk into something they're never supposed to be, because they've been taught this is, what, this is the only way you're any good. You're only good if you share Jesus. And it's the job of the body of Christ to harvest people. But individually, God has a specific place for you. So when we're talking about Joel's army, I want to define it today from the way I see that Joel's army is so important. But I want to make sure we define it in the right way, because as we keep mentioning it, I don't want wrong ideas of you know other wrong interpretations of what I feel is the wrong interpretation of Joel's army. I would call a wrong interpretation of Joel's army in that we're all to go out and pray for the sick, and we're all to go out and get people saved. Uh, we're all to go out and bring in money. I would say that's not a, a full definition of Joel's army. Because Joel's army, if it's to be scriptural, must fit into and match up perfectly with chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. It has to fit in the idea of the body. That we're all part of the body. We all have different positions in the body. And one is not less than the next. Every part of the body is just important. Go ahead and ask yourself, what parts of your body can you do without? Ask yourself this question. See, there's a reason why Paul is using this imagery of a body. Because we all understand a body. Just look at your body and then think about it for a second. What part of your body are you willing to do without? We can live without many parts. There's some parts we can't live without. Everyone's happy until something goes wrong. You know, if you go to the hospital, for instance, you'll find that the hospital, the hospital's even broken down to different parts. <laughs> you have the heart, the heart specialist. You have the liver specialist, the kidney specialist. You have different parts. You have skin specialists. There's doctors that work with joints. The hospitals themselves are broken down to different parts of the body. So is there a part of your body that you would do without? Or do you need all the parts of your body to do something? To me, the understanding of Joel's army is not that we're all to go out and win souls and get people harvested, but we're all to go out and be, place our, be our part in winning souls and sharing the gospel in our way. I remember when I went to kids' camp when I was a kid, and, and they, uh, 
they tried to get us, uh, you know, all the boys were on one side, all the girls were on the other side. And uh, it was kind of a competition, which boy can get the most phone numbers from the girls. Now, back then, we didn't have cell phones, so you had to get the actual phone, which meant you had to be pretty slick because you had to get around the parents a little bit to talk to the girl. And so I always had a hard time in our 10-day camp getting a phone number. And some guys had like 15 phone numbers. I couldn't get a phone number. I needed time. I needed more than 10 days. I had to wear the girl down. I had to be her friend and, and win her over like a slow cooker. I'm like a, a good roast that takes a little more time to get ready. Not like a hamburger that's quick, you know. So even my personality didn't match with the quick catching of girls. Well, I found with my ability to share the gospel that I thrive when you put me in an environment with a bunch of unsaved people that I thrive. I don't get a lot of people born again quick, but you give me some time and I'll have all of them come to church and believe in God. And because of that, God's placed me in situations in my life with hard-cased people because they needed to have the love of God expressed to them more than the love of God or Jesus preached to them. And are you willing to be that person to just be there and share the love of God in the moment that God has you there and you get no credit when they're saved except from God, you'll get the credit. And so my concern about misunderstanding Joel's army is that we start thinking that, hey, I don't have to grow up. You know, God's brought the ministry down to my level so I can just get busy and do it now. And then you do more destruction than good in people's life. And that we're only good for getting people saved, bringing finances, and even praying for the sick. Now, I believe the right concept of Joel's army fitted into chapter 12 is very healthy and very important. That all of us are, as a whole, responsible to win souls. But the knowledge of what is my part is what's important. Or Maybe you're just a seed, or maybe your job is to go around and God uses you to plant seeds of the gospel into people's lives. And that's all you do. You plant the seed. Or maybe you're a waterer. You go along and you share the love. You spread the love. You're in places where people may be yelling at you and you're giving love back. And in that case, you're watering that seed that's planted in that person's life. And someone down the road gets to come along and harvest them. Everyone along that line, everyone who plays a part gets the reward. And I believe that is the purpose of Joel's army, to accept that I'm as important as the next guy in the body of Christ. And I have things that I have to listen to God as much as the preacher does. And I have to obey God as much as the preacher does. Because what's happened is because of our culture, we have a two-tiered gospel. We've got the five-fold ministry, and then we've got the, everyone else. So we have accepted, not so much us, but the American gospel, I'll say, has accepted a Christianity that says, we all go to church, the preacher shares the gospel, we receive from that. And then, bless God, we uh, give money to it. Then we come back next Sunday. And so it allows the regular folk who aren't in the fivefold ministry to not worry about God for the whole week. To not have to listen to God. And don't be deceived. The people deserve the pastor they get. That if you're hungry for more of God, he'll pull you down a stronger walk with him. So the reason why that kind of message has flourished is because it feeds the natural man. It makes it easy to follow God. There's less requirements on you than there is on the preacher. But Joel's army puts more responsibility on us to say, no, God wants you involved as much as the preacher. 
that your place in the body is as important as the fivefold ministry. So you need to know God as well as the preacher does. Chapter 12, let's keep going. Verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So he's taken the spotlight away from the church. He's taken the spotlight of a position, of a work, of an action away and saying, no. It's not that one person that we highlight. It's the whole body, and everyone has a member. Everyone has a place. Everyone's a member of the body, but different members. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Yet our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that lacks it. So when you got up this morning... I'm sure everyone got dressed and, you know, the man shaved and the girls put on their makeup and we did our hair and we all put extra effort to the presentable parts, (laughs) you know, that everyone gets to see. But here it says the the parts that are not seen are the ones that get greater honor. So we're thankful that my heart is still ticking today. You know, thank God, because I, you know, I may be able to lose a finger, but I lose a heart. I'm out. I'm in heaven. So you may be a part that no one sees, But here it says that you receive greater honor. And it's important because sometimes even in our testimonies, we try to, I've never been guilty of this myself, but uh, uh, yeah, I guess I have a very careful line in church here. but, But we try to amplify things that happen that God uses us in and we amplify to make ourselves look better. And that's okay in a sense, but what it does, it makes other people feel less. And that's the part I want to be careful of. I remember we had one young guy come into church and had us all feeling lousy. Like, yeah, God's, God's so good. He's my age, you know, probably 23 at the time, and preaching. Praise God, I've got 23 churches in six countries. And we thought, you're, you're my age. How in the heck do you have 23 churches? Man, I'm such a loser. I can, I can barely come to my church, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, and I got two orphanages. And you come to find out down the road, he was actually, he would give 10 bucks a month to an organization. He called them his orphanages. <laughs> he was a partner with a bunch of people that had 23 churches. But if we're insecure, we amplify our life. We amplify our testimony, trying to feel value, either from people or even from God. And the message today is we are Joel's army. Joel's army means that 
We all have the high standard of listening to God, obeying God, and knowing God. And whatever your calling in, calling is, you still are to know God and hear God and walk with God the same way as the fivefold ministry. Let me say that again. See, Joel's army adds more responsibility on us than it takes away. It is that you have a place in God where it's important, no matter what your calling is, no matter what your job is. What is the same between you and anyone else is that God expects you to grow up and mature in the wisdom and knowledge of God, in the love of God, in holiness, and in hearing God. The same as anyone else. That should be the same no matter who we are, what our calling is. Being part of Joel's army means that God's expectations are that we all grow up. Can you say amen to that? That's a weak amen. Will Joel's army say amen? Amen. That's better, yeah. (laughs) If you look here in verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church... First apostles, just from those two words, first apostles, we have whole organizations built where it's, uh, I don't know what the word is, incestuous. Like, I pat you on the back, you pat me on the back, you accept me as your apostle. You know, how, how do they do it at apostle conferences? I don't know. You submit to me, you submit to me. No, I'm an apostle, I'm a greater apostle. I don't know how they do it. But there's all kinds of foolishness out there, in my view, anyway. And, but it says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then after that miracles, then gift of healings. But if there's a comma, he hasn't stopped describing the body of Christ. Helps, administrations. I think Pastor Dave preached that helps is more finances than just the, it's not so much the usher as much as the, the entrepreneur. And administrations is, you know, some guys are, are helping You know, aren't you glad you come in the church here, things all set up? Helps, administrations, and variety of tongues. This is the the eight jobs that complete the body of Christ. And you fit into one of these eight jobs, and that is specific for you that you can't compare to the next guy. You don't compare it. It's equally as important to the body operating completely. Let's just pause here for a moment. If your kidney stops working, you have to go get dialysis. And, you know, so you thank God every day. I had friends who've been on dialysis, and their kidney stopped working, and and they would take a bottle of water. What I take for granted, going to the bathroom, they would just pour the bottle of water into the toilet, say, thank you, Lord, I can pee. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, I can pee. And they would have to go without drinking water the whole week. They could have frozen grapes. That's about it. Well, I could chug a lug a lug water and and that and be totally fine when the kidney stops working you start to suffer well if you think about it in this body here today in our group in this body our church it says here we have many parts now if we just rely on the preacher and if your life is hey i go to church and i pray i'm good then you're missing the point god has something specific for you to handle in the body, and you have to grow up with it to handle it. Otherwise, the body is lacking because you're lacking. That's why it's it's important that we all mature together. We all grow together. We all hold ourselves 
to the same standard. And, well, hey, I'm not called to preach, so I, can, I get to go to the bar. I get to go do this and do that. No, we're all called to holiness. We're all, there's things that all of us are called to. Then there's things that we are called differently to. And it's important we know the difference because otherwise we can blame not being called as why we're being lazy. But in Joel's army, the message is there's areas of our church, areas together that we are equally responsible for, and one is not allowed extra access than the other. And so when I read these eight jobs, I notice there third, fourth is miracles. So third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, that here... And if we compare it to Ephesians 4, we see that the two names that are missing here are evangelists and pastors. And so it gives us an indication that there's giftings that go with callings. Now, I'm trying to separate the callings from Joel's army here. Okay, So in your calling or your specific job, there are specific giftings that go with specific callings to help them to do the job. Let's say we decided to win a country. God told us to win a, a Muslim country. And he said, I want you to win that Muslim country, prayer center. I want you to focus on one country. And so we raise up our money. And we said, we're going to send someone to that country. Let's rally together. And we raise up enough support to send him and his family for uh, a year to go win a country. So we send them off to this country. And it's very, it's not saved. And he sends back reports. In the first month, he writes to us, Dear church, thank you for your love and your support and your prayers. It's been a wonderful first month. We worked hard. I've been teaching the gospel of Christ and sharing the truth. And uh, no one's saved yet, but I got three people to listen to me. Praise God. Then the next month, praise God, we almost got one person saved. I'm working on them. I'm comparing the Greek and the Hebrew uh, with the Bible against his Koran, and I almost got him convinced. The fourth month, he finally gets one person saved, and we all celebrate. And it's worth everything to get one person saved. And then we get some hot rod show up, and we give him the money to go help him. He goes up, and he gets a little speaker, and he gets a microphone. He plants it in the, in the square his report is, praise God, I've been here three days. And I got 50,000 people born again. Like, What on earth happened is the first guy must be a loser. First guy is a loser. He's been there four or five months, and he's maybe got one guy questionably saved. Where this other guy's got 50,000 saved in three days. Champion. Well, the problem is we sent a teacher when evangelist was necessary. The evangelist has the gift of miracles. Praise God, I showed up, we had four people healed, and then we got 50,000 saved. So the teacher is trying to reach into an area that he does not have right to. This is the idea of the gifts, the walking into power by the gifts. You are segmented by your calling. The evangelist has access to the gift of miracles, because he is an evangelist. There's no cost to a gifts. The gifts come with the calling. The way the Lord showed me is that an evangelist, when he's on stage, doesn't require holiness, doesn't require love. 
this helped me answer the question why I'd have people walk in power, but yet they were unholy or not walking in love, but yet they walked in power. God, why would you walk in power with that guy when he's a jerk? He's got no love in him. And the Lord showed me that because of his calling, God uses his calling as the authority to bring the power. The imagery God showed me was the man stands on stage. He's unholy. He's not matured in love, but yet he walks in his calling. And because he's in his calling as an evangelist, there is a gift of miracles that go with that. So God uses that gift of miracles and uses his calling as the authority. So basically, the power comes and goes around over the man, but uses his calling as the authority to bring the power to see people saved, even though the vessel itself is unholy and not walking in love. That's the message of the gifts. And much of the church world walks in the gifts today. The teacher has gifts The prophet has gifts, and every teacher likes to amplify their gift. You know, I remember one friend of mine, we had just saved. He had a great ability to memorize scripture. I'd beat him at sports, but whenever we got together, his game was let's quote scripture. And I've always had difficulty in my life in memorization, not in knowing the scripture, but in just in memorizing scripture or memorizing anything, to be honest with you. So he would say, after I beat him in sports, hey, let's play another game. We'll quote scripture. I'll go first. And he'd give a scripture, then I would quote. And after four or five, maybe sometimes after one or two, he'd give me the easy ones. Jesus wept. And he'd let me have the easy ones, John 3.16. And then he'd go after it because he he was able to memorize thousands of scriptures and quote them perfectly. And he would beat me every time. So if you're going to compare and compete against other parts of the body, you're going to play it your game. You're going to play it your way. The eye says to ear, let's play a game. Okay. The ear says to eye, I'll play. What are we going to play? The eye says, let's play, what's the game in the car when you drive? And I spy. Well, the ear says, well, that's not fair. Too late, we're playing I spy. I spy something that is red. And the ear says, uh, fire hydrant, no, <laughs> Sign, no, you're so dumb, ear. Then the ear gets his turn. Hey, let's play a game. Let's play, what's that sound? And the eye says, that's not fair. But see, we do that in the body of Christ. We compare our callings in a wrong way and make other people feel devalued or other people be exalted when we're all understand it's really supposed to be God who gets the glory, not us anyway. So the message of Joel's army is, You have a right to power, not because of your calling, but because you're a child of God. You have a right to hear God, to be used of God, to walk with God, no matter what your calling is. The teacher who loves being a teacher will go say, let me go to the Greek, and let me go to the Hebrew, and the prophet says, let me tell you about your life. And the evangelist says, I tell my people I got saved. The entrepreneur drops a check for $5,000, says, which of you are blessed like me? Within that type of church, you'll hear things like, what God does for me, he'll do for you. But they're saying it like in your calling. So I've seen many wealthy people who make money just by, without even trying necessarily, and have a 
gifting to make money and a personality to make money and drop a big check and say, praise God. What God does for me, he'll do for you. So if you want to be blessed like me, believe it. Because see, I believe, and look, I got $5,000 to drop. And $5,000 can be small to some people. There's some people where they won't even go to the fanciest malls in Tulsa. To them, it's below them, beneath them. And there's some wealthy people out there that walk in prosperity. So we, if we start comparing, then if you, the moment you start comparing your walk with God, you start to pursue things you're not supposed to be pursuing. Joel's army, the concept of Joel's army is within the body of Christ. Every one of us is equal. And there are things that all of us are to be the same in and expect the same work and the same effort and the same results. And that is, by Joel's army, is that everyone in the room can walk in power, can pray for the sick and see them recover. I'd hate to be the teacher if it's a gifting competition or even the entrepreneur who can make a million dollars in three days and has walked around and tried to share. You know, we don't need an entrepreneur to come up and share with the body of Christ how to be blessed. Because that's unfair, isn't it? Hey, you know, I'm going to tell you how to make a million dollars. I heard one preacher say, the wealthy man from the pulpit, God wants all of you to be millionaires. So if you want to be a millionaire, I'm going to tell you how. Go to the bank, get a loan for a million dollars. And then I want you to buy houses and then rent out those houses. To me, I said to myself, well, you lost me at go to the bank and get a million dollar loan because no banker's going to give me a million dollars. You know, and so an entrepreneur, we should never have an entrepreneur teach from his position to the church how to operate in finances. What we want from the entrepreneurs is to go out there and harvest the money by your calling, go take the money, and then drop it off at the church so we can use it. But don't tell us about running the church. A lot of entrepreneurs, they try to give a check, but here's a check for you, but they hold on to it as you try to take it from them. They say, well, there's some strings attached to this check. I want to tell you how to run your church. And, or your ministry, and that's where you have to, you have to let go of the church. They know only God tells me how to do my thing. You know, your job is just drop off the money and get out of my way. The entrepreneur who has a million dollars would trade the million dollars in a moment to see their sick baby healed if he could. So how unfair would it be if the evangelist who has a gift of miracles, their kid gets sick, be healed in Jesus' name, and the entrepreneur can't. So we don't want to go into that comparison. The power, this verse, these verses in chapter 12 talk about Joel's army. Joel's army is embedded within the talk of the body here. But it's in the proper things, the things that you have a right to heal the sick because you are a child of God. You have a right to walk in prosperity because you're a child of God. You have a right to be used of God because you're a child of God. Joel's army is not a dumbing down of the qualifications because the qualifications are the same. Holiness. See, the avenue to the gifts are through the callings. And you didn't choose your calling. Which of you in your mother's womb lifted up your little hand and said, Jesus, I want to be an apostle. I want to be a prophet. Which of you got to choose your calling? It's very clear in chapter 12 that none of us got to choose our calling. It was assigned to us by the Spirit of God. So you didn't get to vote what you were called to do. It's been assigned to you. 
And so it's not fair. If you know, God is not fair. It's not, I'd rather be, you know, why am I not the, uh, God, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have enough money that I never have to worry about money again. I'm going to have the big house, security, you know, for selfish reasons or whatever. That's what I want to be. Or I want to be the apostle that walks in the room and everyone acknowledges, oh, great, great man. Or, or I want to be evangelist that walks in power where people fall out when I walk in the room. See, the avenue to your, the power for Joel's army, for the body, is different than the avenue to the power for your calling. The avenue to the gifts or the power through the gifting, through the calling, is selective. You don't get it if you're not called to it. But in Joel's army, in the idea, the imagery of the body, is that we all have access to power. That doesn't mean that we're all going to go pray for the sick. It means if God brings the opportunity for us to pray for the sick, then we have the ability to see the miracle happen, not because of our calling, but because of our walk with God. Is that making sense? Because what I don't want is to forget about our jobs in the body. The way I, I like to mention is that we have people who watch Gary from... Gary, give me a couple of countries. Or Angie, give me a couple of countries that watch Gary's videos. Australia? India? South Korea? South Africa? I can keep going. Or she can keep going. There's countries all around the world that we're going to watch the message of this morning from Gary. And many, many people are going to watch the message that Gary preached this morning. Now, let me tell you, if you're sitting in Australia or India or South Africa and you are receiving... Because Gary's, in my view, if you put the list of top teachers in the world who I trust, uh, he's up there, you know, right, one, two kind of thing. And so they're starving for truth. And they're feeding off of Gary's videos every week. And they wait until Sunday night or Monday morning when they pop up. They're waiting to watch it. And so they, they turn it on, and there's the video of Gary. All right, we're going to pray for the sick. And they get their eyes in there, and then he's getting ready to teach and pray for the sick. And all of a sudden, the camera goes up to the, the ceiling, and all they see is the ceiling, and the sound goes quiet. What happened? Well, Derek and Darren, Darren's running the camera today, and Derek's the sound. They say, well, I'm supposed to pray for the sick too. So they leave their post. The camera hit, folds and looks at the ceiling. The sound goes mute. And they're down there. Excuse me, Gary. I want to pray for the sick too. Yeah, they be healed in Jesus. And they praise God. They got healed. See, when we understand how important that job is to run the camera for the people in Australia, in India, who are part of the body as we are, then what's more important? That guy's still going to get healed no matter who prays for them. See, because we believe that this is the revival we're after. It doesn't matter who you get prayed for you. But we don't want to be looking for praying for people as acknowledgement of my value. Otherwise, we're all going to try to go and be people who just lay hands on the sick wherever we go. Instead of God, lead my steps. See, you have a job that is specific. You have to do it. You can't get away from it. So the idea of Joel's army is not releasing our place in the body and saying, hey, we're all just going to go pray for the sick and get people saved. The idea of Joel's army is I have a job to do that has been assigned to me from my birth by the Spirit of God and has been assigned for me to grow into and mature into. And it's my job to mature into that body, into that calling. 
Because without me, the job isn't complete. The body's not complete. But also, I am a member of Joel's army, which means we're all equal. And the things that we're equal in is if, if I run into a situation where someone needs to get healed, I don't have to call the evangelist or the pastor. I can deal with it. But in the, the view of the corporate church, it's important that we know we all have a place also in the body. No one is allowed to just sit around. No one is allowed to be... See, think about your body right now. And the reason he uses body is because it's very intricate. The body's an amazing little beast, this creature. This outward body you wear, it's amazing. Your blood has to be at a certain percent. What is it? Uh, seven point... Anyone smart here knows what the blood pH is supposed to be? Five point eight. I just about killed everyone with seven point something. I'm going to get in trouble if I say the wrong number. 7.4, someone Google it. Okay, <laughs> 7.4, we'll just say, now this is a preacher, I'm not a medical doctor, just a disclaimer. 7.4 is your blood has to be at that pH. If it's 7.5, you die. If it's 7.3, you die. So what happens is your body, if you eat acidic food, the blood gets, starts to get acidic, your body goes and dissolves some of your bones and grabs that calcium and brings it into the blood to neutralize that acid. And, and so the body is an amazing part. I had one young man born with a kidney that was only one kidney was working. It was a miniature kidney. It was smaller than an average kidney. So he only had one kidney and it was smaller. And the doctor said by the age of 14, he would have to get a transplant. And sure enough, by the age of 14, his body outgrew his kidney. The ability for the kidney to filter all that blood it couldn't keep up with the body as it got bigger. And see, and so he had to get a transplant. Well, that's the same with us as a body. If your job in the body is to be the lonely kidney, don't, if you feel disheartened, I'm not called to be the eye. I'm not called to be the hand. I'm just a little kidney. I'm not doing nothing. Stupid kidney. Kidney. Why would he call me to be a kidney? He hates me. And you're complaining, and you're not doing your job. See, a kidney has a job. Right now, your kidney's working. You know that? It's filtering out your blood. Your heart has a job. It has to pump. Your lungs have a job. Your liver has a job. They're all working right now. Your whole body, your brain is working without you even trying. And your whole body's working right now. It's where every part of your body has a responsibility, and it has a job to carry. Otherwise, the body is dysfunctional. Are you still with me? I'm preaching to you from the pulpit of callings today that your job in the body is important. Get to it. Whatever that is, if you're not carrying a responsibility in the body, if you're not carrying a specific responsibility in the body, then you're not doing your job. That's being part of the body is God saying, God, I want to carry a responsibility. And it may be a small version, maybe a little version. If I was called to do what Derek does, I would be harassing Derek every, every week. Derek, I mean, I'm, I'm going to help you. No, I don't need your help. Too bad. I'm going to help you. Well, I don't want it. Well, I'm going to be here. And he shows up and there you are. I'm here to help. I don't want your help. Well, you're going to take my help. I would be trying to learn from someone who does what I do, what I'm called to do, so I can learn from them and participate. That's from the place of callings. But the place of the body 
is that all of us have a, not only have a part specific, but we have a right, everyone equally, to the power of God, to hearing God, to knowing God. And also that means we have the responsibility to walk in holiness equally, walk in love equally. You go and act like a jerk and say, well, I'm not a preacher. <laughs> you know, well, that's okay. You're not a preacher. You're also part of the body. You got to act like it. You can't disengage and say, well, I'll let the preachers do the work. I'm just going to show up in church. This is ruined. There's so many people who are dying young in the body of Christ. There's so many people who are, are living their life missing the mark because they have been ruined by uncomplete doctrine of who we are together as the body. So as I close, Joel's army brings more responsibility to all of us to grow up, to hear God, to be able to hear God and walk with God and to walk in holiness and in love and in knowledge of who God is. That means that all of us should know equally who God is and walk with him equally. That's Joel's army. It also means we have a right, yes, equally to the power of God and has a right equally to hear God and and has a right to win people to Christ. But also we have the job within the body of our callings. Now, the difference is in our callings, where does the authority that Gary talked about this morning for the power of God to come from? If you're immature and you walk in your callings, you can rely on the gifts but the gift is going to be with your calling, not outside of your calling. But as a Joel's army member, as a body member, in maturity, in the maturity of your, from the new nature, the more you've allowed that new nature to mature you, that's the authority that God uses to bring the power. The pathway to the power for all of us equally is through the maturing from the new nature. That's Joel's army's message. The power of God for someone in their calling There's no qualification, no holiness, no love. Just walk in your calling. There's no cost. That's why it's a gift. But God has us on a mission as Joel's army to grow up together, to mature together in love and holiness and knowing God. But let's not neglect what our calling is as well. Amen? Amen. We are not just good for winning souls, and we're not just good for praying for the sick. Every part's important. Every part. You have a part in the body. That is so important. The body can't function correctly without you playing your part. Amen. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for believing in us so much, bringing us down this path of having revival come through us and others. We're just so in awe that you believe in us that much. We rely on your strength, your grace today. In Jesus' name, and we yield our life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.